Welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Forgive me if I'm in sort of a semi-public place and uh, talking even more softly than usual. I know that uh, listeners sometimes complain about my low energy affect, but I just find it that hard, not not easy to get excited about uh, a lot of things. Uh, I prefer the slower, more sardonic uh, pace. Speaking of which, Charlie, I thought I would have a question for you, which is, uh, do you do you know what a woman is? I think so. I don't Are think you I a need... biologist? I'm not a biologist. In fact, I was not very good at biology. I was. I wasn't good at any of the sciences, Kevin. Hmm. Trigonometry was tough for me. Ah, oh, disaster. Algebra. I was disaster. good at other math, not not algebra and trig. But so anyway, you are uh, you're married to one, I believe. A biologist or a woman? A woman, yeah. Yes, a woman. And so how did you... Well, this sounds like a personal question suddenly, but how did you know when you met her <laughs> that, that she was a woman? You know, this isn't really a question that exercised me 10 years ago, or as far as I could tell anyone. I think we... It's one of those truths we hold to be self-evident. Yeah, or what's the old line about <laughs> pornography? You know it when you see it, which also shows you who's a woman and who's not, funny enough. But this is a silly Not question. always, Charlie. I <laughs> don't um, know how familiar you are with that market. That's true. Not always. <laughs> uh, not as familiar as you by the sounds of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you wrote your piece on it, of course. You probably do yeah. know more than I do. Um, this That's is a, a question that now invites enormous sophistry, I have found. Um, Should we go ahead and give the the background for the three sure, people in sure. the world who don't go know on. the story here? Go on. Oh well, uh, Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, and do you try to say Jackson Brown all the time the way I do? Oh, with her no. name because of the singer, you're used I, to the words coming out in I that. Probably that will order. now though. Yeah, now I've poisoned your mind. Um, Judge Jackson was asked by. Um, which of the senators was it? Was the lady from Tennessee, Blackburn? Marsha Blackburn, yes. Yeah, she's she's a nice lady. Um, at her confirmation hearing, if she could define what a woman is. And she said that she couldn't in that context and protested that she is not a biologist. And I was really hoping Senator Blackburn's follow-up question would be, is your husband a biologist? I was anyway. hoping that her answer would be, I am one. She did say that. Eventually. eventually. Yes. And I'll tell you why. So because... Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on, go on. I was going to say, because the world is enthralled to this very silly ideology um, relating to transgender issues, we are all supposed to pretend that it's a very difficult thing to say who a woman is because we are confused about the question of sex, which is a biological and physical fact versus the issue of what we now call gender, which is actually a grammatical term, but never mind that for the moment, which has to do with the social expression and uh, performance, I suppose you could say of sex and sex roles in a society. Yeah. So I, I remembered yesterday just how silly this conversation gets. Um, so just to go back a couple of days before this happened, 
Madeleine Kearns at National Review posted this exchange between a, a trans activist, a, a man who's dressed up as a woman, who seems to ricochet between being a man and a woman, according to the newspapers, but at the moment says he is a woman. And Fluid, I think, maybe is the... Well, no. I mean, well, I suppose they would say that, but but Isn't he, that what fluid he, he means? commits he commits completely to one and then changes his mind. Anyhow, maybe that's fluid. The point is that this is a, a man who says he's a woman, and he was speaking to a feminist, and during the conversation, he said, "I am a mother," and she said, "No, you're not." And I wrote about this because I thought this was fascinating. In that that's a historical claim, because the children to whom he was referring are his. <laughs> He's their father. Yes. He is their biological father. This is a fact. And because he is their biological father, he cannot be their mother. And I got all of these responses that said, are you saying that people who are adopted can't call their parents mom and dad? Well, no. <laughs> I am saying that if you are your child's biological father... You can't say you're their mother. It's ridiculous. It's a false historical claim. And uh, that, that is totally separate from whether as a legal or a linguistic fiction, rather than a biological claim, we allow people who are adopted to say mom and dad, which, which is fine. Um, I mean, in a sense, saying my kids, are, you know, I'm their mother rather than their father is equivalent to saying... T- uh, to someone who is adopted, that you are their actual biological mother when you're not, right? I mean, they're just separate no. questions. Um, anyhow, fast forward a couple of days, and uh, this question comes to Katanji Brown-Jackson. And because I assume she's nervous um, of the leading lights within the party that nominated her, rather than because she's personally stupid or a lunatic, she says, I don't know. And suddenly the defenses are... Well, sometimes it can be complicated because people are born with both sets of genitals or, uh, you know, people have um, biological uh, problems that, uh, that, that complicate the categories that we use medically and so on. And the thing is, that is such a load of nonsense. That is like yeah. saying that because someone has customized a Ford Explorer and changed the wiring in it and changed the tires and added the engine from uh, Chevy Suburban that we can't tell what a Ford Explorer is anymore. That's just not true. Even if it were impossible to tell what this sort of hybrid Frankenstein car is that somebody may have made out of parts of the other cars, you can still tell what a Ford Explorer is. In fact, it is only by rejecting and acknowledging the categories of Ford Explorer and Chevy Suburban that you you can do that at all. And I just, I'm sure you've come across this. That just makes it impossible to have the conversation when people do that. Well, I think that's the idea, Charles. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Now, I wish she had said, I am a woman. And the reason I wish she'd said it is because irrespective of all of that sophistry, the Democratic Party is trying to have it both ways. On the one hand, they want it to be impossible to determine what a woman is, such that she couldn't sit there in her own hearing and say, I am one, although she did do it later. Mm-hmm. And they want us all to be thrilled that we have the first black female justice on the Supreme Court. Well, you can't have both. I mean, Joe Biden did not struggle to determine what a woman was when he was choosing Kamala Harris. 
He didn't struggle to determine what a woman was when he was choosing Katanji Brown-Jackson. It was pretty evident to him. He's not a biologist either. But suddenly we're supposed to believe that a woman who is far brighter than Joe Biden, from what I can tell, can't possibly answer that question. And it's the height of sophistication for her to pretend that she doesn't know. And I just think someone needs to call them on their bluff or at least insist they can't have it both ways. Yeah, far brighter than Joe Biden is generally likely to be true as a statistical well, matter. That's true. I'll rephrase that. She actually seems to be a very intelligent woman, and Joe Biden's yes, yes. not an intelligent man. Yeah, it's one of the um, irritating things about the way these hearings have unfolded is that there isn't a Republican there who is willing to state the case plainly. And what the Republicans should say is something like this. We want Supreme Court justices who have approximately the judicial philosophy of Clarence Thomas and Antonin Scalia. You're probably not that, so we're going to vote against you. You're probably going to win because we don't have the numbers to stop you. We think you've got the wrong philosophy. That doesn't mean you're dumb or a bad person or evil or soft on child pornographers or any of this other stuff. Uh, we just have a disagreement about how judges should do their jobs. We hope we can change your mind. Yeah. I have to say, I have been somewhat embarrassed by the Republican performance in these hearings. If I were a Republican, I'd be embarrassed by them. I just, well, I mean, whether I, I'm a Republican or not, and I'm much more likely to be a Republican mean, as a human being, than you. Remember the species? Well, I just mean that as somebody who is broadly in line with the judicial philosophy that the Republican Party espouses and... Um, the view of the judicial role within our constitutional order that the Republican Party in part exists to advance. I have found the treatment of Jackson not to be especially rude, uh, but to be dumb. I mean, you know, yes, it is 2% of the crime that was committed against Kavanaugh, but that's not the standard. The attempt to tar her with this child porn nonsense um, How much of that do you think is is just tit for tat payback? Well, I I assume some of it is, and I hate that. And I really do think that again, they're not comparable. Re Republicans were mostly polite to her, but are we really reaching the point? Uh, and the answer is yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> at which no judicial nominee can make it to the Supreme Court without the worst elements within either party tagging them with some heinous accusation that millions of uninformed people are going to believe and repeat for the rest of their lives. You've seen how this goes. It's kind of weird that these are always, um, or not always, but so often, um, accusations of a sexual character. You know, there was Thomas or Kavanaugh or now uh, Jackson in the kitty pool. Yeah, I... I... Leave aside that's the, 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 that's the creepy underside of our, you know, psychological politics exhibiting itself there. Right, right. Um, the reality is that uh, whether she means it or not, and I suspect she doesn't, Katanji Brown Jackson has given a more rhetorically originalist description of her judicial approach than any Democratic nominee in modern history. And uh, she has shown herself to be accomplished and nice and professional. And as you say, the objection is and has to be 
that she is likely to, by virtue of by whom she's been appointed, and uh, the minor paper trail uh, that exists, at odds with what Republicans want out of a judge. Um, but what we've got instead is the Republican Party putting out tweets that have KBJ and then animation crosses it out and writes CRT underneath. What we've got is oh, dear God. nine Republican senators <laughs> going on and on and on um, about her record on the Sentencing Commission and, and as a judge, as if she is you know somehow sympathetic towards people who abuse children. And I, I again, I don't think compared to Kavanaugh, it's anything. But I do think yeah. that it is a shame and... And that stuff shouldn't be our standard. No, it shouldn't Can I do a little sidebar standard. here real quick? Yeah. I know I've written about this, but the hearings have reminded me of how irritated I am by it. The um, insistent rhetoric that her appointment is um, in some way historic and that, you know, it's an unusual background for someone to be nominated to the Supreme Court. You know, she grew up in an affluent area. Her dad was a lawyer. She went to the same high school as Jeff Bezos. She went to the same law school. Uh, that one of the two law schools that all but one of the Supreme Court justices went to, she was a clerk for the justice she is going to replace. She couldn't be more of the class of people from whom Supreme Court justices typically are extracted if uh, if she'd been born in a black robe. Yeah, and it's so funny, isn't it, that uh, simultaneously uh, we're supposed to praise her for having gone to public school but also right. praise her for going to an ivy league law school <laughs> so you get yeah both. I, that that washington post chart yeah. thing you mentioned was really <laughs> stupid and irritating but what's funny about that is they end up dinging you know thomas um for going to parochial schools rather than public schools so she gets credited for going to the good suburban public schools in the wealthy area she grew up in he gets dinged for being poor and having to go to uh, you know, parochial schools because there was no decent public education available to him. Yeah, and it's just so silly. The, the reality is that the current crop of Supreme Court justices are, however you measure it, uh, more qualified in a in a formalistic sense than probably any Supreme Court in history. Sure. That's not what we're arguing over. Every time we have to pretend that this is what we're arguing over... And so you get pieces in high dudgeon. How dare this senator vote against this highly qualified nominee? Well, the, the, the issue at stake is whether or not the person is going to fulfill their role as an Article Three judge within the parameters that the Senate believes are appropriate. It's not whether Amy Coney Barrett is intelligent or you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had the right degree. You, yeah. No one disputes that, surely. Although we've had a few Supreme Court justices who didn't go to law school at all, of course. And I, for what it's <laughs> worth, don't think, providing that they're able to do the job and that they understand their role, that that, that should be disqualifying. But, but it hasn't been a question for anyone who has made it beyond the initial stages. Perhaps the exception here is Harriet Myers. Yeah. Uh, uh, who was withdrawn. Anyhow... Um, I didn't think that was a good answer. I do suspect that she was operating on the basis of fear that if she answered it, 
incorrectly, according to major cultural drivers and drivers within the Democratic Party, that this would become a problem for her. And you know, to me, that's the much bigger issue than that she said it. It's the incentives that led her to say it. Yeah. Yeah, I find that whole issue just really despair-inducing in a lot of ways. Because um, I think it's perfectly reasonable for us to say there are men and there are women. There's biological sex. It's a thing. There are trans people. Um, there's certain things we can do to socially accommodate them and to, you know, treat them with kindness and dignity and respect. And that's that. We don't have to pretend like people who are a member of one sex are actually members of a different sex. I um, mean, it's a big, crazy, wild, open country. People can present themselves socially in all sorts of ways. And Americans tend to be pretty typically accommodating of that sort of thing. Well, it's got worse um, than that, hasn't it? I mean, it, it's partly that we pretend that people of one sex are a member of another sex. But in an attempt to, to uh, blur those boundaries, we're reaching the point at which we won't acknowledge that there are sexes at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe this. I don't think you can change sex. But suppose that you did. Suppose you said there are some people in society that just they just don't fit naturally within either biological category or it's difficult to categorize. Suppose you believe that. There's absolutely no reason to say, well, now we don't know what a woman is. And likewise, yeah. I mean, in fact, you can't do that, right? Because, because the very act of saying we don't know which category they're in requires you to acknowledge <laughs> that the categories exist. Yeah. True enough. Speaking of lawyer shenanigans, should we move on to the next subject? Yeah, so this is New York Times piece. It's not the New York Times' fault. About this... Well, he's a, he's a, a lawyer within the Manhattan DA's office. And... Mm. Uh, and uh, D.A. Bragg. And he's one of the people who, for a few years now, has been tasked with investigating Donald Trump. And, and when I say investigating Donald Trump, I mean that quite literally. Uh, they haven't really been investigating a crime that they suspect was committed by Donald Trump. They've been investigating Donald Trump and hoping within the course of that investigation they will find something to get him for. And after a few internal attempts, they have decided against bringing charges on any of the candidates they found. And one of the, in fact, more than one of, um, the lawyers under Bragg, the DA, resigned over this. Now, one of those lawyers, whose name is Mark F. Pomerantz, wrote a resignation letter disagreeing uh, with the decision not to pursue charges and sent it to the department. And it was leaked. Mm. And so the Times has the letter and wrote it up. And I think this is a disgrace. I think leaking a letter like that and then promulgating it is a disgrace. I think that mainstreaming the charge, which Pomerantz makes in his letter, that Donald Trump is guilty and just hasn't been charged, <laughs> is a disgrace. I think we should demand black and white on this from our government. 
put up or shut up. Either you find your crime, you assemble your evidence, and you put the question to a jury, and you deal with the consequences, or you don't. Now, I'm not completely convinced it is wrong for Pomerantz to have written this letter internally, but to leak it is to try to circumvent the jury. I mean, the idea here is for the imprimatur of the DA's office to be applied with a guilty stamp uh, to uh, Donald Trump. And, you know, fine, it's Donald Trump, so people don't care. But that's sort of the whole point. (laughs) It's, It's a system that is supposed to protect the people we dislike or don't care about. And this strikes me as a really negative development that needs to be nipped in the bud and whoever leaked that letter needs to be fired yeah i tend to agree um it is possible to treat unfairly even such a person as donald trump and surprised as i am that the investigation turned up nothing criminal with which to charge him which tends to make me think these guys aren't very good at their jobs because i too agree i assume that he's a uh, criminal of some sort or another, but uh, no, I think you're right. If you're actually the investigator, um, you have a responsibility to put up or shut up and rather than just hang up your spurs and slander the person, which is cowardly and an abusive office, I think, as well. I mean, I should say, I think the investigation itself has been a disgrace. In America, well, we investigate like, it crimes, like there would be not a particular people. crime. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, there are all sorts of starting places, I would think, um, of things that Trump has been involved with that would probably constitute crimes or certainly would warrant a criminal investigation, but an open-ended inquiry into a political figure is something that is not how we should be conducting these sorts of investigations, and that is corrupting both to our legal system and to our politics. Well, but I'm also a little bit nervous about starting points unless there are big red flags hanging off the starting points i mean i i just i don't think while that person looks like they're probably shady is enough no i don't think so either i mean we 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 i think for instance there's probably a pretty good um argument for um charity fraud investigation what, just but, um, one that arises from nothing? Pardon me? You mean with Trump? Yes. Oh, I see. You know, having to do with specific things that these charitable enterprises have been involved in. Um, there's but that's problems. evidence. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Um, there are probably a couple of other places where you've got a real legitimate uh, cause for a criminal investigation, but they don't seem to have really undertaken it that way as you're saying um they seem to have undertaken it as an investigation of this political figure whom they detest and wish to hang something discrediting upon yeah and if you look at the clinton investigation in the 90s yeah he did some of the stuff he was accused of but they really shouldn't have got to that they should never have been in that open-ended position. They they started off investigating something completely different five years earlier. And mm. just by keeping doing it, they were sort of watching him when he broke the law. And I understand that he broke the law. But 
That's not the only question you ask in a free country. I'm sure if federal agents monitored me 24-7, they'd find stuff. Good Lord, Charlie. They'd probably find something today. Sure. Don't you You're think? a born criminal. <laughs> Actually, extremely diligent, because as an immigrant, I was always nervous of not ticking every box. But I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I did something wrong. Well, you know that famous book. Was it uh, two felonies a day or three felonies three, a day? Three, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh... I bet you're above average. This is alarming in a free country. And again, the fact that it's Donald Trump shouldn't make people less alarmed. It should make them more. Yeah. Yeah, I think you want to not uh, emphasize the already Kafkaesque uh, character of American legal life in which, yeah, you could probably indict almost anybody for something if you were sufficiently motivated. And we've seen a few cases where um, there are people who've been convicted of crimes who were really essentially convicted of being disliked yeah. and uh, unpopular. Also, um, after a while, it becomes I've long capricious. argued that Michael Milken is one of those. Sure. Because what you're doing is you're finding crimes of which m many people may be guilty and choosing to go after a person for them because you don't like them. Now, if you look at some of the crimes of which... Uh, uh, Donald Trump is is allegedly guilty per this letter. They are crimes if he did them. The fact that one of the most anti-Trump DAs in the country decided there wasn't enough evidence to take to a jury in one of the most anti-Trump cities in America suggests to me that the case wasn't that strong. But yeah. the, the, there's no doubt that if, if the allegations are true, then, then, then Trump did them. But there's also very little doubt in my mind that they describe standard operating procedure for real estate developers in New York in the 1980s and early 1990s. And I think it would be somewhat unfair to say that because one of those real estate developers was president and is broadly disliked, that he should pay for those alleged crimes where other people should not. I mean, you just don't behave like that as a, as a yeah. society. I think the, the classical example is uh, mortgage application fraud where just a whole lot of people don't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth on mortgage applications. They exaggerate their income. They conceal the source of a down payment in cases when it's maybe being given to them by a relative or something. Um, other things along those nature. Uh, they don't tell the truth about their debts or other aspects of their you know, personal financial situation. Other things that come up on, on mortgage applications. Um, you could probably indict, I don't know, 15 or 20 million Americans on mortgage <laughs> fraud yeah. if you really wanted to. But if you have a situation in which, well, we've got this in our back pocket and then someone comes along that we don't like and want to punish for other reasons, not because we are especially vigilant about the question of mortgage fraud, then you've got a really bad situation in which you've got a real potential for abuse of power. I think that's which exactly right. Well, we saw this with drug cases forever, you know, where people who were uh, socially well-situated were rarely charged with drug crimes if it was just possession. Mm -hmm. And if they were charged, they were rarely charged to the max. They rarely went to jail. And people who were not well-socially situated um, ended up in prison and suffering really, really serious consequences for something that, in many cases is not treated as a crime at all, although it is. Yeah.
I just think there's a very big difference between a system that is inevitably going to be somewhat chaotic. And for example, if you happen to have a tail light out and then when you get pulled over, there's a bag of cocaine on the back seat. You know, that, that's sort of cosmically unfair if, if, if all the other drivers have cocaine on the back seat. But, but really, who has not had that happen to them? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's sort of down to chance. There's a difference between that, which I can understand why people might think, why does the universe hate me? And a DA saying, let us, let us go after Billy because we hate Billy. And all our community, they hate Billy as well. And let's go and find out if Billy ever lied on a bank loan form, yeah. as you say. You know, there's just a, a big, big difference um, between those two uh, two approaches. And I, I, am, I know a broken record on this, but I find it deeply alarming how many people who call themselves liberals have just thrown everything they were supposed to believe in on criminal justice out of the window because the subject is Donald Trump. Yeah, how many or someone times? else they don't like. Yeah, but Trump's been particularly. So just how many times did you hear over the last five years from people who are supposed to be, you know, ACLU-style uh, bleeding hearts like I am on criminal justice? How mm-hmm. many times did you hear, oh, wow, that associate of Trump's, he pled the fifth, and that shows he's guilty? That, that, yeah. Or people who have been credibly accused mm-hmm. of a crime. That's a, that's a new nice standard. Should be disqualified from this or that because they've been credibly accused. And credibly there, of course, is an almost infinitely elastic word. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. So I'm not a fan of this. I'm about to write about it. I find it grotesque. And uh, it is, of course, not new. There's a great essay by... Robert H. Jackson, who was the Attorney General under Roosevelt and became a Supreme Court Justice, about exactly this. Um, and the other thing that Jackson points out, which Scalia also pointed out in his famous dissent in Morrison in the in the late nineties, is that it's not just that it is unfair; it's that when you start going after people instead of crimes, you lose your perspective because you jump at anything you find that is an infraction of the law, even if under normal circumstances you would ignore it. And so mortgage forms is probably a good example of this. There's just no way that the, you know, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Department is going to occupy itself by looking for for that. Um, There's no way that the, the Jacksonville DA is going to start hunting down for the sake of it, violations of Florida law uh, in mortgage applications. Um, but of course, if they decided they hated me and then they started looking into me and then they found some probably mistake or what you will on mine, well, suddenly they might put two or three agents on it. Two or three agents that would never in a million years have been deployed in that way. Yeah. Um, so it, it it causes us to lose our perspective and proportion as well. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. It is a gross and uh, irresponsible way to do things. Before we uh, wrap things up for the day, I wanted to let you know that I got an email from a grateful reader, and he was reminding me that there's an aspect of our podcast that has changed some in recent months. 